have a sense of um, wanting to be present and to accompany someone who is um, is so alone and isolated and needing some support to get through probably the most chaotic point problem in their life. Feel very. Uh, in fact, I feel very honored that I'm allowed to go in and be a part of such a sacred moment. Wow. That's oh, the heart of oh, a chaplain oh. right there. Boy, that was powerful words there, Kurt. This show is brought to you by hospicechaplaincy.com, promoting excellency in professional hospice chaplaincy. You can find the Hospice Chaplaincy podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play Music. For more information, you can visit hospicechaplaincy.com. We are your hosts, Joe Newton. And I'm Saul Abema. All right, uh, welcome to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. Today we have special guests for you from Elmhurst Hospital in Elmhurst, Illinois. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, we're glad to be here. Yeah, so could you guys uh, introduce yourselves to our listeners? Okay, my name is uh, Don Dahlheimer. Um, I'm the manager of spiritual care at Elmhurst. I've been there for 30 years now. And uh, my, my latest... Uh, Venture at, at Elmhurst is also doing integrative medicine. So I'm in charge of the mindfulness, guided imagery, and hypnosis in our integrative medicine. Huh. So kind of a three-tier. I, I manage the department. I work a, a small unit in oncology and then, um, and then do integrative medicine. Cut. Yeah, so uh, my name uh, is Kurt Baxter. Uh, I'm... Um, I'm the certified ACPE certified educator at Elmhurst Hospital. Um, I have, uh, I also do chaplaincy, usually on an oncology unit, but this year I had a student uh, because of medical reasons and because of the COVID-19 hmm. um, pandemic, I uh, had to leave the residency program, so I'm now covering the critical care unit, as well as doing uh, CPE. And my name is Marie Conlon. I am one of the chaplain residents there at this point, and I cover the med pre-surge floor and also the family birthing center, but due to COVID-19, we've been asked to step back from the family birthing center for now. Oh, welcome. Well, it's been quite a last few months for everybody. Can you, each of you, give the, uh, what it's done to you? I mean, as far as uh, allowing you to do the work that you're called to do and uh, how that has been changed at all? So I suppose I, I can speak to that a little bit first. Um, so it's affected some of our practices. Um not having any family there at the uh, hospital is really different. Um, that we're a, a plane tree organization, um, which is a patient-centered organization that really focuses in on the needs of the patient, and a big part of that need is family. Mm. So we got patients that are there all by themselves and very lonely, um, making contact only with FaceTime sometimes or just by phone. Of course, wearing a mask all day 
and seeing patients is makes patient care very different because they can't see our face. Mm. And uh, um, particularly when if you're going in to see a COVID-19 patient and you're done with all of this PPE equipment, uh, that makes it a little extra challenging. Mm. Um, and uh, when a patient uh, dies, uh, we do still allow family to come in, but there's a whole protocol that that's based on. So it's all those things are really challenging. Um, have made it a little more challenging, but also I, I think it, our role has become even more important, providing that support to family um, and patients who don't have access. Mm. So what is the what is the special protocol that you put into place? I'm just curious. When families uh, come to see their, uh, unfortunately, dead uh, loved one. Right. So um, the, time, the time that they would come in is, is pretty much limited. But now we try to take every situation, um, every unique situation on its own and, and make decisions based on the particular needs. But we're, our basic guideline is that you know, one or two family members coming to the hospital, um, having a half hour with uh, their loved one's body, um, donning all the PPE that they need, and then um, and then they go. So, very short period of, of time there to limit their exposure, and also limit the staff's exposure to them. Um, they get tested as they're coming in, their temperature. Um, but of course, you don't know if there are symptoms going on that aren't showing themselves. Yet. So trying to be really respectful and caring for them, but at the same time, really promoting a lot of for both them and our staff. Card, mm. uh, has the CPE educator, how has this affected your CPE program this year? It's made a big impact on, on the program. Uh, Certainly, students are getting a, a much wider and more intense uh, experience because of the COVID-19, and, and uh, they're learning about these uh, very difficult protocols that the hospital has put in place. Mm. They're also learning about following these policies and being um, really following guidelines and being flexible in the midst of these guidelines. So when patients, uh, families come in, uh, we accompanying them from the emergency room area uh, up to the floor or the room where uh, their loved one is. We're with them during that period of time. Uh, we, instead of pursuing um, some of the release information that we would normally collect, uh, during that time, uh, we get the bare minimum and call back in 24 hours and see where the family is at the time. Mm. So the students are learning, I think, a, uh, a greater sense of patience, greater sense of learning about the life story from families as they're talking with them, uh, going to and from. Uh, rooms, uh, I think a greater sensitivity about 
uh, this loss because these families haven't been in contact with their loved one. And it, mm. it's a very trying experience for families. And I think our chaplains are learning how to be a lot more responsive. To so okay. is the SCPE going to give them extra units? Because this is more intense. This is not a normal residency program. <laughs> <laughs> Well, certainly, uh, certainly they've already accomplished their, uh, I've already done their second unit evaluations and they've all received credit for that. Okay. Uh, the third unit starts on May the 18th uh, and we've made special arrangements uh, for that as well. Mm. Um, every year we do, uh, students do an integrated project here where they look at some uh, specialty uh, about chaplaincy on their particular unit. This year, uh, the uh, chaplains are banding together. Marie hasn't heard this yet, but uh, the chaplains are banding together and they're going to do a reflection paper on their COVID-19 experience, mm. what they have learned uh, during that. Um, another thing that's happening uh, in the last unit of our program uh, we've had to find a different um, space where we can actually social yeah. distance. Mm. Uh, and we found that space within the hospital where we can put uh, six feet in between students. Pretty hard to do CPE without seeing people's faces. Yes. Yep. Uh, so that's why the social distancing is so necessary. Mm. So we found that space. And so we'll be kind of shifting locations for CPE within the hospital. When I was in the midst of my uh, CPE training, I, uh, I just remember the opportunities to, of course, interact with families, interact with patients, and having to do all these verbatims and all the good stuff that we had to do. Uh, yeah. Is, is that, uh, and I'll ask Marie too, I mean, is this, is this happening with any kind of regularity or... Uh, is you just finding it very diff? Are you just a presence? That's what I wonder. Well, with some of the the patients, when the patients pass, there's times that family members won't come into the hospital. Some of them might be symptomatic themselves. Some of them might um, be afraid to come in because they're afraid to catch COVID because maybe their loved one has it and they don't. So they call, or we call them and talk with them over the phone, and you feel the, the stress level with them, um, trying to, to minister to them over the phone when um, they've just heard. A nurse has called them maybe 10, 15 minutes before we do, so they're still kind of processing that. Some of them just don't even want to talk at that point. We call them at the, uh, the next day. Sometimes we're able to minister to them for a little bit. Um, actually, one of the first calls that I took or that I, I called uh, for a patient's family, uh, the father had passed away and I was told to call the son. And when I got him on the phone, said, I'm getting ready to take my mother. And I said, you're taking your mother? He says, yes, I'm, I'm bringing her into the hospital. He has the same that my dad did when we brought him in and he, he had just passed and he said the last thing my dad told me was to make sure you take care of your mother 
And he was so afraid that his mother was going to pass because of this, that they came into the hospital and they had actually both been put into the emergency room to check them for COVID. But I was happy to find out that they were both released to go home. So whatever they did, their symptoms weren't bad enough to keep them in the hospital. But just hearing that, it's 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 hard to, to hear that and be on the phone and and to try and minister in, in that way. Mm. Wow. I'm sure uh, this experience really uh, can be challenging in, in different ways. So how how do you find yourself connecting, if I, especially as a student, and you're still learning, but you're also practicing? Yeah. <laughs> how do you find yourself connecting? Um, I think the connection comes from all of us are going through the same thing. This is not something that one person experienced and another person hasn't. We're all learning at the same time. We're all learning the new protocols. Maybe the protocol this morning is is going to be one thing, and then tomorrow it's going to be something else, or it might even change in the afternoon. So all of us are walking through the same thing. We're all dealing with our own anxieties over it and learning. But I think through that, we've, we've gotten to a stable point where we're, we're all in the same place. Um, the only difference is for some, some have had it and some haven't. And we're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to protect each other. We're trying to keep everyone safe. And that puts us on a level playing field in a sense with that and allows us to care for not just ourselves, but to care for the other. Mm. And, and that's the beauty of it. If we have to find a beauty in this situation, I think it's the beautiful thing that we're all concerned for each other and not just us. Are you all doing your uh, usual eight-hour whatever shifts and then you're doing your on-calls and all that? I mean, is the schedule the same or do you have to kind of just, uh, because of the protocol, stay home or what do you do? No, we're, we're, we're doing the same schedule that we have been doing. Hmm. Yeah, my schedule has changed uh, considerably. Uh, I'm doing a, a lot more because uh, I'm filling in uh-huh. Uh, a spot for one of our students. So uh, kind of balancing uh, my clinical practice with uh, my educational practice has been a little bit more demanding uh, during this. Also, I think um, staff, uh, taking care of staff members has been become, I think, a new focus for our chaplains. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's quite a bit of stress uh, Actually, Marie came up with this wonderful thing for delivering chocolates to nurses. Uh, <laughs> nurses run on chocolates. Yeah. And Marie, Marie came up with a way to uh, deliver those chocolates in a safe uh, in a safe manner, and we're using that. And uh, we're also uh, passing out Starbucks cards for nurses that are overstressed. Mm. I don't know if caffeine's good for that or not, but that's <laughs> what we're doing. Um, it's uh, so there's a lot more staff care. Staff are particularly nursing staff. Very very stressed. Mm. Has the hospital been overwhelmed? I I think that you know I think that there's been moments of that. Um, you know when the um, particularly on the COVID-19 units there or in, in intensive care. Um, 
you know, their practice has changed quite a bit um, to, to walk into intensive care and see all of the um, medical poles outside the room and leads going into there, into the patient, um, all the PPE, um, all, you know, it takes more time for them to get into there. So um, all of that adds another level of stress, of course, and then trying to be as safe as possible. Um, so as Kurt was saying, you know, I think for us as spiritual care, trying to be more intentional about checking in with those nurses, noticing the ones that are more stressed out. Um, we came up with on, on each of the floors, there's a staff resource room and uh, a place that they can go and get a, a bit of a chair massage. It's a, there's a mechanical device in there. Uh -huh. um, and uh, some, um, I, I put together some guided imagery for them if they want to listen to that, or just looking at something pleasant nature on a screen. Mm. Um, all of that to, to, provide, to provide, try to provide opportunities for them to, uh, to relax. Um, on next Wednesday, we're doing a um, parade of blessings where the uh, clergy in Elmhurst are going to drive around mm -hmm. the hospital wow. Wow. and uh, and give their blessing to the staff. So they're going to, you know, we're going to encourage the staff to come to the window and look outside. And so a lot, a lot of those things in the, in the community has been tremendously supportive, sending food, um, masks, uh, making masks. So all of those things you know, help the, um, help the morale with, uh, with the nurses. Mm. And, you know, and when you hear that clapping as the patient that had COVID now is leaving, you can see that the staff, that's a lift in morale too, just yeah. for everybody. That is special. Uh, Don, I know um, you have other chaplains beside the CPE residents. So how are the other chaplains responding to COVID-19 crisis and the need for social distance and in the nature of their work? Right. I think it's a, a different experience for the registry chaplains. I mean, we, we have each other every day. We're processing stuff. We're, we're talking about, you know, it's a, a very, as Marie said, very fluid situation. So things are changing all the time. And they're coming here on the weekend trying to kind of catch up. I mean, I try to keep them up to date with all the changes, uh, but they're here by themselves on the weekend. Yeah. And I think that that's an extra challenge for them, especially not being here on a day-to-day -day basis. So try to make myself available. If they have any questions, please call. Um, constantly sending emails and and our, our organization has done a wonderful job on our uh, portal, uh, providing uh, lots of information, like how many COVID patients we have in the hospital, how many have been discharged, all of that kind of stuff. So trying different ways to lower their anxiety too. And they've been doing a good job. And sometimes, sometimes instead of going into the room, they might feel more comfortable calling the patient on the phone. Mm. and having a, a, a spiritual care conversation over the phone. And while that's not uh, what we would prefer to do, um, patients seem to enjoy having that voice there and that prayer. Actually, actually, we, we get a lot of 
telephone calls from uh, from patients. It used to be they the spiritual care button and the food ordering button are right together on the telephone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it used to be they would be calling for food uh, and uh, and just hang up when they heard it was a chaplain. Mm. Now my experience has been they actually stop and talk with the chaplain. Uh, they still want food, but they yes. also would like some coffee. Different kind of food, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a beautiful change. <laughs> it is. It is. It's actually a, a pretty nice thing. I have a daughter who is a uh, a nurse up in Milwaukee, and she's in labor and delivery. And she spoke of the time. She told me the time, and it just touched me so deeply when she had when she was part of the group that went and started testing patients for COVID nineteen, and what she was dressed in, and how and how much it. You know how much it was causing her a bunch of discomfort because it's so much you got to put on, and uh, I was scared to death for her because she has two little ones at home. But she, you know, she was she was brave and did all of what she was supposed to do. I understand that the the registry chaplain hesitating. Uh, I would too, uh, because I was not always, and I'm sure you were educated, which is what. I'm sure you did right away, was educate people as far as your students and everyone, what it is you are to wear and how you're supposed to put it on, take it off, and all that good stuff. Uh, that that we, found, we finally had that happen the other day in our hospice, which eased my concern greatly. I hope you had accomplished that immediately. Uh, I... I... I can't tell you how many more times a day I wash my hands. Oh, same here. Same here. It's just a tremendous level level of difference. In fact, I find myself, uh, if I touch surfaces, mm. uh, I find myself washing my hands immediately after touching any surfaces, particularly when I'm in the uh, critical care unit. Mm. But what do you say to the general public? I mean, we don't have the the uh, potential as you do in the hospital as far as keeping clean, keeping and all that. I mean, I mean, you look at people are come together and partying anyway. Um, I'm to be honest, I'm quite frightened about that. Uh, good to hear that. <laughs> I find that uh, a very scary uh, possibility. I know my spouse uh, who suffers from asthma, Hmm. Uh, goes, she's a, we're senior citizens now. I, I finally realized that I'm in that senior citizen. Category. Same here. So she goes in at 6 a.m. when shopping is being done. Yep. And of course, we're both masked up. And, and uh, fortunately, the places where we shop are pretty diligent about putting up plexiglass uh, coverings right. for cashiers and all of that. But there's still a sense of anxiety about doing it. Hmm. So here's a question for all of you. What are you hearing? Um, it, you say that the biggest need right now is to meet the needs of the staff. Uh, what are you guys hearing from, from the staff? What are their concerns, their worries and anxieties? And as a department, what are you doing to remedy uh, those issues? I don't know. I'll speak first to that. I think uh, their concern is what you hear a lot on the news already. You know, they don't want to, 
They don't want to get COVID-19, first of all. They yeah. don't want to bring it home to their families. Mm. Um, the hospital has provided spaces for, like up at the uh, Elmhurst College, for people to go stay if they feel uncomfortable going home to their family. Nice. Um, uh, the the uh, How sick people can get on this particular disease is... Um, People can change pretty rapidly, and and that's pretty stressful for staff as well. So um, feeling that sense of helplessness sometimes, you know, you're doing everything you can do to make this person better, but it's not going in that, <clears throat> excuse me, not going in that direction. Um, and so, you know, providing that, that uh, presence, that spiritual presence, Showing them that somebody does care um, and wants to hear what they're going through. Um, I think that's our first line of uh, support. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I'll let the other two talk about what, what they do. On the front line. Actually, I think one of the things that is uh, very helpful for this, you know, it's not just death. Mm. I mean, there's there's a significant number of people who, in fact, get through COVID-19 and are healed and walk out of the hospital. Yes. And we, uh, we celebrate those. We spend a time celebrating every one of these patients that leave the hospital. And I'm, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but is it, is it daisies or? Uh, Definitely. Uh, Daffodils. daffodils, daffodils. I always get that. <laughs> uh, but we have these daffodils out in front of the hospital that mark all the patients that have um, had COVID-19 and left the hospital uh, healthy. And I think we're up well over 400 people who have done that. Awesome. Uh, and awesome. that, that's fantastic. And I yep. think that helps the staff to feel some sense of success in what they're doing. Hmm. Good. And they also give uh, an actual live daffodil plant to each of the patients that leave. So not only putting the flower outside in front, um, the plastic or wooden flower, whatever it is, the, the patient gets a live plant to take home with them. But I think also with staff too, what's what's helped them is to see us as a spiritual care team stand alongside with them. And uh, to be willing to go into rooms with them, uh, not to say, oh, we're, we're going to stay out here and, and watch you go in. So when they call us and ask us to come visit with a patient and to go into the rooms, we go. And that's given um, us a respect with them. Not that we didn't have it before, but even think more so uh, because not many people want to go into these rooms if they don't have to. But mm -hmm. by us being willing to, um, go in and uh, potentially put ourselves in, in these situations that could be dangerous. Uh, obviously we're protected. So hopefully there's no danger. That's they've respected that, that, mm. that we're standing with them, not, not just in front of them, but with them. Yeah. Do you think that's changed? I mean, the, the view, the vision of what the chaplain yeah. provides, you see, you think that's changed then? Well, I, there's times, 
there's there's times when I've gone up to a floor and they'll say, well, can you go into this room? And I'm like, yeah. And, and so they, they, they're not quite sure if we are. I mean, now they're getting more used to the fact that we're going into to rooms that they've asked us to go into. But at the beginning, I think they thought there was more hesitancy that we wouldn't go. So I think that's, that's even given us more respect. But there's also times that we come up to a room and we're like, okay, I, I'm supposed to go into room one, two, three. And they're like, oh, no, don't go into that room. Mm. Or at least don't go into that room now. We have to stabilize or whatever. So that's that protection once again mm. that they, they've given to us as we've been willing to journey alongside them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you think that, oh, it's just the chaplain. Well, we know better. It brings a, a whole sense of uh, peace and comfort for folks. Yeah. So uh, what was your first experience like? I know Joe would be scared. Let me not throw him under the bus. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you're putting on that to go visit a COVID-19 patient, if you've done it, how was that experience for you? What emotions <laughs> were going through your mind? Well, I, 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 was, pretty, I was pretty anxious. Uh, the first time that I went into a COVID room, I, you know, I have a spouse that has, uh, she suffers from asthma. So I, that was always in the back of my, in the back of my mind and, uh, and uh, just being extra cautious about each of the steps as you're putting on PPE, mm-hmm. following the correct order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And then doing it in reverse order as well is very important. So, um, so I, I just felt more cautious about it. Uh, mm. The ones that amaze me are the physicians. They're, they just sort of, uh, they're, physicians and nurses are real heroes. I mean, yeah. they, they do that with such rapidity uh, when necessary. It's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. So for you, what stopped you from not going in, knowing that, like you, you said, the issues with, you know, your loved one? What stopped you from not going in to see the patient? Uh, well, I have a, I have a sense of um, wanting to be present and to accompany someone who is, uh, is so alone and isolated and needing some support to get through probably the most chaotic point problem in their life. Feel very. Uh, in fact, I feel very honored that I'm allowed to go in and be a part of such a sacred moment. Wow. That's oh, the heart of oh, a chaplain right there. Boy, that was powerful words there, Kurt. That was incredible. I mean, having been in a different situation, but also equally as vulnerable as these patients, these COVID patients are, uh, knowing that someone is going to be there for you is just... Uh, at least it brought a great sense of peace for me that I know that I, you know, my loved ones and and me are being taken care of. And I know God's right there amongst amongst us. And for Marie, how was that experience for you? Uh, the first time I was asked to, to go into a room, I had to wait for uh, the lead nurse to bring me some, some glasses uh, to put on. <clears throat> And as I was waiting there, I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> do, do I really want to go into this room or not? And it was funny because I was waiting and I was seeing all the nurses go in and out of rooms. And it really made me think that 
why why would I hesitate? Why wouldn't I go in? And plus, if I make or if we are expecting nurses to go in and doctors to go in, why are we any different? As Kurt said, this is this is part of not just part of our job, but part of um, being there for the patients, being there for them to to show them. Um, that we are all in this together, not to to stand outside of the room, uh, but to be in there with them, walking with them during this time when when they're afraid, and also to to give that uh, the nurses once again the support they need, the doctors the support they need. That we're we're standing there with them. We're with them. We're with the patients. Mm. So the sense of solidarity uh, made you Correct. overcome the fear. Yeah. How right. about you, Don? No, this this is the job that we took. Yeah, I I agree with that with what Marie said too. Um, I had an experience the other day. Mary Kay is our coordinator, our our administrative secretary and coordinator of Catholic ministry. Mm. And there was a woman who um, wanted to receive communion, so I told her that I would take care of that. I went upstairs and the kinds of PPE the per protective gear that we wear wear has changed a little bit over time. We now have some reusable gowns that get used and then cleansed and then we we get them back. It's trying to stretch that PPE. Mm. So you never know when you go up there, you know, what's really changed and got to get educated. But anyway, I got all donned up and I I went in and she was on the phone with uh, looked like an important phone call. And so I was just standing in the room waiting for her, you know, to get off the phone. And I must admit, as I was standing there, it was probably 15 minutes, I mean, five minutes, no, five minutes, but it felt like 15. (laughs) It felt long. (laughs) You know, I kind of moved my way over to the sink, you know, so I was a little further away and I'm just kind of waiting and waiting and and then finally she got off the phone and I, I went to, uh, we, we um, shared the Eucharist there. And then um, it turned out that her phone call was about her mother and she takes care of her mother. And uh, um, she's afraid of coming home and, you know, is this COVID out of her system? She doesn't want to give it to her mother. So a lot of worries, patients besides themselves have a lot of worries about themselves. Mm. And so um, helping her to kind of talk through that a little bit, I think it was just as important as receiving the Eucharist. But, you know, how, you know, so experiencing both that anxiety about being in the room and and, uh, just standing there and then also realizing that interchange, how important that was with the patient made it all worthwhile. The anxiety kind of dropped away at that point in time. Yeah. You guys are doing an amazing job there. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. So uh, earlier on, either I think it was Don or Kurt, you said some, the patients are struggling with a sense of isolation because their friends and families cannot just visit. Is there anything that your department is doing to help counter just a well, little bit? Yeah, several times in the um, critical care unit, I've been in the room and uh, I've been able to hold a telephone up to the patient's ear. Mm -hmm. Uh, They might be vented, 
but I'm able to um, share with the family what I'm observing happening with the patient, like tear falling from the patient's eye. Patient can't speak, but I'm trying to interpret for the family member what's what's right. happening in the room for them. I think also the patient hearing their loved one's voices is uh, just a wonderful uh, moment of connection. And uh, so that's one of the things that I've been doing in, in my practice. It was interesting with me. I had the, uh, we had a new patient come on to our program and you know, I I get to have the uh, uh, ability to call these patients families as they're struggling through this and to hear all of their frustrations, their uh, anxieties, all of their ups and downs, knowing that their loved one is in hospice and you know, not sure where they are in the dying process. And I happened to talk to this one young lady. I call her young. She's probably my age. And uh, talking about her family, talking about her mom who was... Uh, I, I'm not sure if she was COVID or not, but uh, very much actively dying. And I just had this wonderful connection with this woman and hung up after the phone call. Uh, over the weekend, the patient died. And on Monday morning, I get a phone call and I'm like, who's this? And they put it through and it's that woman. And she goes, Joe, we had a very nice conversation. Thank you. Uh, would you be willing to do my mother's funeral, graveside service? And I'm like, I don't know you. I haven't seen you. I haven't you know, been in contact except over the phone. And yet, it reminds me again of how powerful even this type of ministry, calling over the phone, can be. It just, I mean, it was just wonderful. It had a great funeral for, uh, for, for what they could have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had one of our employees that, uh, passed away from COVID. He had a lot of other medical issues going on, but because of the funerals are so small in the visitation, it's no one, it felt incomplete for our staff. So we're trying to plan, a um, a memorial service probably in a couple of weeks, uh, for staff. We have quite a large room in our conference area and uh, um, trying to social distance everybody, but allow them to have that opportunity to come in and share some stories and say goodbye. We'll invite the family to come in as well so that they can hear those stories because mm. I think that's really important as well. What new skill, what new therapeutic skill as this experience of COVID-19 told each of you, if there's any? <laughs> well, I, I'm not a, a particularly patient person. <laughs> yes. But uh, one of the things that I've been learning is uh, to be a lot more patient in this process and a lot more patient with people as uh, they're facing these very difficult situations. And uh, I've been amazed about how that patience, you know, waiting, you know, to uh, finalize release logs and working with families as they move towards taking care of their loved ones after their death. It's uh, been such a uh, 
a, a wonderful experience. I, mm. I've had nothing but um, tremendous uh, sense of gratitude and peace from families after the event and mm. us calling them and being with them. And, that, and that's kind of increased my patience. That's awesome. I thought of something. Um, you know, we always work collaboratively at, with the team, with the nurses and the PCTs and the doctors. But really needing to be more intentional about that because, you know, we got guidelines, but every situation is so different. Um, really working with the nurse, particularly when someone has died and what exactly is that going to look like? You know, um, when you have... 10 people show up at the hospital, how, how are you going to manage that? And what kind of, um, what do you, how are you going to organize that with the family that come in and want to see their loved one, but to do that safely? So that takes a lot of uh, being, uh, talking with the nurse and coming up with a plan. Um, so these are our guidelines, but maybe we can tweak that a little bit here uh, because this family really needs this. So mm. that that collaborative working together has uh, gone up a couple. Mm. And I, I would have to agree with Don on that. It's that being willing to stretch ourselves in, in situations, how we did something today might not be the same way we do it tomorrow or maybe even after lunch. And uh, being willing to just be adaptable to mm -hmm. that, to uh, know that we right now we're living in very precarious times. This isn't the norm, and we don't know what the norm is going to look like later. But entering into to what we have before us now and being willing to, to not fight and say, okay, this is what we'll do today. It might change tomorrow, but today this is, this is how we'll enter into this. And not fight. There's no need to fight. It's just, it's to, once again, it's to protect everybody and to, to just be willing to, to trust the people that are in charge, that they have everyone's best interest at heart. And the leadership that from what I've seen of uh, over the both hospitals, Edward, Edward Hospital and Elmhurst Hospital, I think have been phenomenal in the way they've handled everything, considering uh, everything's new, everything's changing, and I, I think they've done well. They've kept us informed, and I, that's what, what helps us to go out and do our jobs. How do you see the CPE program changing because of this pandemic? Well, uh, certainly uh, we're already planning in the fall for uh, to have social distancing in the in the classroom setting, I also see us uh, probably having to have uh, some Zoom education take place, uh -huh. uh, and that ACPE nationally is providing us with uh, some of that kind of uh, that kind of, those kind of educational tools. Uh, in the past, I would have. Uh, didactics done by in person by people. Right. Those didactics will probably have to take place by Zoom as well. Uh, so I'm actually learning a new skill. Zoom is not. <laughs> you know, you guys are much better at it than I am. Uh, but we're getting better at it. 
it just sounds like a whole different program now than it used to be because of this. I mean, it's the same thing, but you don't have that opportunity or that availability of being able to actually see what the person is going through when you're talking to them and, and having the conversation and going over stuff that they've done. Uh, I just, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be totally different from my vantage point, and uh, I'm hoping it's not because it was a absolutely wonderful program for me. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually contacting a guy by the name of Jerry Kalin. He's been doing distance education for a number of years uh, by means of Zoom. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a certified educator as well. And I'm trying to get some pointers from him because yeah. it, is, it is hard to read the emotion of students over a screen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's easy to sit there and be afraid of the screen that you're looking at. And, you know, what are you seeing on the other side? And I'm like, ooh, you know, it's, uh, it's a challenging thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. A- anything else that you guys want um, our listeners to know is in terms of spiritual care in the hospital during uh, COVID-19? I, I think everybody should be prepared. I don't think this is going away real soon. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that until there is a vaccine, yeah. or some sort of remedies, I think that there's going to be some level of COVID patients in the hospital. And I think I would ask the public to be a little patient with taking, being willing to take the steps, the safety steps that are necessary for them to be safe and for us to be So even though they're saying that the, uh, that the curve has been kind of leveled off, uh, you're not seeing a whole lot of uh, decline then, I'm guessing. My experience here is, is that we peaked and now we're kind of at a, we're at a lower level, but it's more plateaued is mm. what I see. Okay. That's scary. I think, uh, you know, every, every week our uh, administration does a town hall meeting by WebEx mm-hmm. and, and staff can call in and ask their questions. They give kind of an update about what's going on and the change in PPE. And then there's tons of questions that go on. And, you know, as we're ramping up to start surgeries again, um, that people know that the, that the institutions are doing everything they can to make it a safe place, that it'll be a safe place for them to come and get their surgeries, that they have COVID-19 mm. floors, um, so that COVID patients aren't going to be on the same floor as somebody who's just had a hip replacement. Hmm. Um, so a lot, lot of work being done to make uh, it safe for our, our, both our COVID patients, non-COVID patients as well. Uh, this has been awesome. Thank well, you. <laughs> you gave us a lot of information, a lot of knowledge and education. We really appreciate that. A lot of hope. That was the Spiritual Care Department of Elmhurst Hospital in Elmhurst, Illinois. Thank you very much for joining us and for listening to this episode. This show is recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting Studios, and our engineer is Brian McKinder. Thank you for listening.